Unlike the turned-up shows filled with high energy and notes galore, Ryan is reserved and seems almost slumberous upon our first meeting. It's when we start talking about trap music orchestra that I see him light up. Hey y'all, I'm Alexis and welcome to The First Year Project, a podcast highlighting the good, the bad, and the integral aspects of the first year experience. This week I have Ryan Easter, director and composer of Trap Music Orchestra, on the podcast. Trap Music Orchestra, as the name indicates, is a Boston-based actual orchestra dedicated to performing trap music. Listen as we talk about how the orchestra was formed, the challenges that come along with being a 21-member group, and some of the dope projects the orchestra has in the works for us. Remember, for visuals and previous episodes, always make sure to visit firstyearproject.com. Once again, firstyearproject.com. Or you can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at firstyearprj. Firstyearprj. This is Ryan Easter of the Trap Music Orchestra, sitting down with Alexis of a first year project. So, how you doing, Ryan? Oh, great. How are you? So, l- let me just tell you all this. Like, Ryan is uh, the trooper of all troopers. I think we may have been here for two days and two nights uh, trying to uh, figure out some technical difficulties. So, I certainly uh, appreciate you staying, not cussing me out, not throwing things, you know. I'm sorry if that happens often. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's just get right into it. So, how did the Trap Music Orchestra get started? All right. Um... It was kind of an instantaneous idea. So, I mean, while I was a student at Berkeley, I was always interested in kind of just like the synergy between music, like seeing what fits or what doesn't fit and how to make it fit. So it all started in, I think, 2012, when I did an arrangement of a Chief Keef song for a friend's senior recital. My friend, uh, Timber, he's from Baltimore. So we did Love Sosa, but I arranged it, arranged it to sound like more of a metal song. Mm. And it was a big hit with everybody that was there, so they loved it. But I kept expanding on the idea. I was trying things more off to the side, not really bring it into the light, but always talking about it with people. And then one summer, I started working on turning into a bigger form. So that's where the idea of making it orchestral came in. Um, I just thought naturally uh, with the way music kind of evolves in itself, if you're going to make something contiguous, you got to build upon it. The only way to build trap music at this point is to make it instrumentally bigger. Mm. So that's where the idea of making it an orchestra came in. So my last semester of Berkeley, trying to have signups and all that, um, like we're talking about like a, a paper sheet where it's like hey yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, starting this uh, trap music yeah, orchestra you see audition flyers everywhere read your name and your email address blah 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 um, that idea didn't work <laughs> I, mean, I tried to target you know the people I thought were going to want to be involved I mean, pretty much you know the black folk 
try to keep this keep it in the family mm-hmm. this is ours we gotta honor it so auditions kind of fell through and i figured out that it was mainly because a lot of people thought it was gonna be a class i don't know why oh they thought it was gonna be like a yeah, you can get was, two credits yeah they thought it was gonna be a class it's your flyer making skills man they're they seem legit i guess I mean, to me, I thought it would be kind of ridiculous that anybody would even think that Berkeley spearheaded the idea of <laughs> or whatever. That's later. So, um, just was writing, tried to have weekly rehearsals for a few months, had some good friends and stuck around. And uh, So, how did you get the folks? Were they just like friends? You going yeah, up to them? You just got to grab people, really. Off the street. And at that point, we didn't have, we didn't have a full orchestra right off the bat. Mm. Um, it wasn't until January of last year where a friend of mine, Charles Michel, he was organizing a event at Urbano Project, and he was asking me, he's like, yo, do you want the orchestra to perform? And I was like, sure, but he didn't know that there wasn't one. So on about... So he, so he, I'm sorry, so he asked you... Like, hey, like, do you want your orchestra to perform? And you're like, yeah, sure. Like, we're definitely down. And there was there was no orchestra. Yeah, there was no orchestra. <laughs> so, what was your uh, what was your plan? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Just do it. <laughs> Just um, make it happen. Yeah, it's got a few people. About a week and a half or two weeks of trying to organize, get a rehearsal down, all that. And then by the night of the show, and this started, this started the trend of. I mean, you can ask anybody in the band, there's always some type of mild curse where the day of a, a day of a show, day of a shoot or whatever, day of something that we got to do, something always goes haywire. Oh, it doesn't man. stop something from happening, but it goes haywire. So, I mean, we're on our way to the show. The piano player's like, yeah, I won't be able to do it unless somebody wants to help me carry all this. I'm like, man, there's 20-odd people in the band. You don't got to worry about carrying nothing. Yeah. We do the hit. Everybody loved it. And after that, it just became a thing of kind of accepting that it was something that could take momentum. Uh, trying to become serious about it in a organized way, making sure you got the right people involved. And, you know, a year and a half later, we're here now. So how do you go about now, now, now that you're you know a little bit more like like would how how would you say you go about? knowing the right people for like their roles in the orchestra it's still it's still a very 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 steep learning process for me um especially considering the amount of people that you're in charge of um and the fact that knowing the right people are there doesn't happen until all of the people are capable of doing something as one. Mm. And as soon as that started happening, then you then some sometimes people weed themselves out. Uh, sometimes the heat, the heat will get so high that they'll have to jump they'll, they'll have to jump off. Uh, they won't be able to see themselves completing the way there and the people that can well, as time goes along, you notice that they start doing more, start making more sacrifices off of the, their own merit for, you know, the better of the group. Oh, okay, and I see even, what you're saying. And even for myself, it's taken a lot to to not only 
have the right people, but to recognize people that have been in it as being greater benefits to the group than even I thought they were. Mm. So it's, it's, it's building a business, building a family, it's building a lot of things. But it's also an exercise and you know, how much are you willing to give up of yourself? Totally. So within the, the first year of the group getting started, what were some of the challenges that you all faced uh, outside of the curse? Geez. <laughs> Everything was a challenge. I mean, from from a jump, the size of a group was the biggest hindrance. So what size did the group start off at and then what size is it now? It was 23. Now it's 21. I mean, which isn't, you know, a crazy significant difference, but... 20-something folks yeah, is a lot. Exactly. And that's one of the things that keeps, that can keep things from happening for the group, especially initially. How so? I mean, we're, we're a brand new group. There's no, there's nobody that we can call to vouch for us. So if we're trying to do a show or we're trying to spread the word about us, it's an awkward thing for people to look at and kind of accept for what it is with having no, no pre-existing uh idea and realize that it kind of reflects off of it so it's natural that uh, the first people that caught on to us were people who are either music students or aficionados with what it's like to indulge in band culture on a larger scale mm. those are people who know uh jazz band culture or sym symphonic culture like people who people who have seen larger things happen so they know that something that big can you know portray a certain sound do you feel like band culture group culture in 2016 is dead or do you think oh, it's absolutely gonna come not back? in fact it's it's coming alive but it's it's almost there almost there how so um a conversation i was having with someone earlier was that there's a, a kind of like a reiteration on the importance of musicality that's coming about. And I think that a significant uh, turn point in that was last year when you had the release of um, the Pimp a Butterfly and D'Angelo's album coming out at the very top of the year. And, I mean, D'Angelo, his return being something that uh, I mean, as far as the current sound of what's popular for, for young black people, D'Angelo's kind of far from that. Because, I mean, in popular culture, we got we got people like Future. Yeah. So for D'Angelo to come come back and stick to the essence of the roots of his sound and for Kendrick to kind of pick apart at the lineage of black music in America and use that to create a hip-hop album was kind of... It, it awakened everybody to remind themselves that they like hearing things that sound good mm -hmm. and not things that have to necessarily sound good as they're automated to, but they sound good as people made them to sound good on their own skill. Or maybe not even their own skill, but of their own body. Mm. So with that becoming popular, um, it's a good time for us. But it's also pivotal because we still look very different. We're not used to seeing a crowded stage and everybody being a performer. I mean, we've seen Kanye bring up a 
100 people on stage to do all day, but he was the only performer. Yeah. But we're, we will be 100 people on stage where that's the performance you're seeing. Like every sound coming off the stage is every person on it. That's very true. And then to say that we play trap music, people just don't accept that. Don't believe it. It's like, nah, not at all. So why why the fusion of like trap and orchestra? How did that come about? That's just me. Um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Shout out to VA. Yeah, I mean, that's the sound <laughs> of Virginia. Like, you can hear it in the music of anybody from, you know, the clips to to younger Virginia artists like Gold Link. Like, Virginia's mm-hmm. all about hustle. And there's a lot of things that go on down there that, you know, make the merit of our forms of trap music that give it a uh, validity to it. So, and plus, like, I mean, growing up, middle school and high school, you had Jeezy coming out. Like, I, we watched the emergence of people like Gucci Mane and Jeezy and Rick Watts. We, wa- we watched their careers begin to happen. It was huge back yeah. then, too. Still is, even with Gucci, you know, just coming out, put, putting out work. Yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was a huge moment in not just music, but people's lives, like watching them come back out of jail. So that became important for me. And like coming to Berkeley, like, yeah, my parents kind of intended me on being a jazz musician, but it wasn't jazz growing up. Mm-hmm. Very few of my friends listened or even cared about it. So it made sense to try and be a part of both cultures while paying respects to both of them. And why not just make them the same thing? They have the same, they have the same meaning to me. And even the same beginning, like, Jazz music started out in places that it wouldn't be played at anymore. Mm. It's not supposed to be some some fancy suit and tie. It was edgy. Yeah, it was edgy. Like now you have I hate to say it, you have older cats who have kind of turned the tradition of it into not just like an academic based ritual of like you just learning how to play music. Like it's almost like your multiplication table is jazz music now. Mm. And either that or it's turned into kind of like an elitist form of going out. Yeah. Like you go to see a jazz musician and it's always in a place where the tablecloths have been cleaned right before you got there. Candlelight dinner, the tickets are like forty, fifty dollars a person. Mm-hmm. Or the table's nice, it's like two hundred a table. The artists come in and they're all, you know, they're sharp, they're poised, and I think it's fake. Wow. So like in in thinking of how jazz, I guess, has like transitioned into kind of like you need to be from a certain socioeconomic status essentially to kind of feel one with that culture. What do you think younger folks can do to still have a connection with jazz, but also like be true to themselves, whether they're, you know, wealthy or not, not so much? Well, that's what we set out to do is kind of create an image that they can hold on to is that you can see, um, especially young black folks and somebody just like them who grew up in the same type of neighborhood as they did and listens to the same kind of music as they do but using that and turning it into an instrumental art form. Like, we we can prove to 
any high school band that you can you can play the silly ass Lil Yachty song that you love so much and you can turn that into something that can get you into college. You can turn that into something that people can literally never take away from. You have you're giving yourself not only the ability to to play music, but to interpret it in a way that hasn't been really accepted by a lot of people yet. Not only not because it wouldn't be accepted by them, but I mean you see music programs being cut in schools all the time. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at what's on the music curriculum, it doesn't engage anybody to really want to take take that knowledge and apply it to something that's a little more meaningful for themselves. So what we're doing is we're making we're making the youth's music not only important to them but to everybody else because uh, it gets alienated a lot. Not just musically, but the what it means to the people behind it. And so I feel like something that we're doing uh, to pay a lot of respect to it is we're putting it on a platform that even over centuries has kind of commanded the, the, the scene as the most prestigious form of playing music there is. You have an orchestra. Mm-hmm. So why not bring even that illusion of prestige because if you can bring prestige to something that seemed that seemed as thereby by ratchet, what does that tell you about prestige? What does that tell you about what actually is ratchet? At the end of the day, it's the story of a person's life. So we're bridging that gap. Very dope. Now, what's the crate like the craziest sh- experience you've had at a show today? Because. I've heard that your shows are lit and you're kind of creating all these different types of experiences. So like so far, like, like what's like the, the craziest, like most outrageous experience that trap music orchestra has, has had thus far. It's been a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and even you see my demeanor now I'm talking slow and low, but yeah, I mean, yeah the show is I know it. I was actually surprised. Like when I first, when we were first meeting, I was I was I was su- surprised by your like very like laid back demeanor. But now we we I've definitely had my share of jumping in the audience already. May we we started off the hype really by people be like they're not afraid to like die at any given second. We did a show. The only show we done on Berkeley campus was on my birthday last year. And I think when's your birthday? July seventeenth. So I think four or five of us, and there's no stage in the cafeteria. It probably rises about seven or eight inches. Okay. Four or five of us stage dive through the audience. <sighs> uh, we threw baking soda at everybody. What? And we shaved somebody's head on stage. Okay. For a moment, let's just backtrack. So there's diving. Mm-hmm. There's bacon soda? Yeah. Now, what was the significance of the bacon soda? And then we're, we're going to get to the shaving. Somebody's the head right after. Bacon soda. I got bacon soda. <laughs> had bacon soda. So, wait. So, who who at Berkeley was like, oh. Um, who, who, who let us throw bacon soda, <laughs> people? And that's 
one of the best parts about the band so far is that we're learning that we can get away with that. That is dope. Oh my god! And then so someone came on stage, like so. So you gotta take us from from the top no, to our, the shaving. Our, our guitar player, his girlfriend, shaved his head on stage. This is like during a performance yeah, of a, a middle, song. It was the middle of a show, and it really wasn't for any reason. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, w- what was the result of that? We just had fun. That's all. That's dope. So, like, no, like nothing else. Like, no one was like, "Yo, you can never perform here again," or whatever the nah, case is. Of course not. Um, I mean, and since then, um, there's always some type of shenanigans that go on. I know we did when we did what was what's known as Trap Fest at Tufts University. Mm-hmm. Oh, they have a Trap Fest now. I mean, ever since we walked on, I mean, they used to have a day party. I remember uh, Drake performed at it, like a day festival. No, this was this was just the black students at Tufts organizing their own show. Very nice. So, and this is this is on me because I got a knack for just spewing all sorts of things on stage. Okay. Um, I don't know. At one point of a show, you had the first two rows of the audience. Um. All just young women, you know, having fun dancing. These, I saw this one line of guys in the back, and I was like, "Why do you guys look so down? You should come up, come up here. Why are you all the way back there?" They were leaning back. They're, they're just around each other, looking mad that they were around each other. Mm, men in the club, yeah. circa 2016. Yeah, but then behind them, there was a police officer, and I said, "Oh, you should have never shown up." So <laughs> it was about three minutes of me almost demanding him to come over and you know catch the twerk a little bit wait who who were you you were talking to the police officer yeah. to to said catch I, a twerk yeah i said catch a twerk one time like I don't, I don't know why you're here today i'm sorry you got stationed but you better come up here now did he catch said twerk of course not <laughs> i was hoping that it was going to honestly end with a police officer twerking on everybody, stage everybody was looking at me like i was crazy but i didn't care <laughs> If you come to our show and you look like you're too good to have fun, then you, first of all, nah. <laughs> and then second of all, you, you're going to ruin my good time. And my good time is more important because I got a microphone and I'm going to make you feel real crazy for <laughs> having a good time. Would you identify as like a carefree black man? Carefree, no. Really? There's no such thing as a carefree black man. This is very true. At least there shouldn't be. If you're a black man, you feel like you're carefree. If you're, if you're any type of person that has ever been targeted for being that type of person, and this in this stage, if you're literally carefree, then you might just be unaware. How would you characterize yourself then? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I I don't. I don't see too much differentiation. I mean, I I share a lot of common traits, and then I have my own privileges and my own downfalls for myself. But I mean, I've I've had I've been at gunpoint four times by police, uh, three times by police officers, one time by a not police officer. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because it's also uh, it's like. A social stigma that there's a type of black person that happens to. Mm-hmm. And I even told my parents, I'm like, yeah, this happened to me. 
It happened to me as soon as I got out of the house, too. Like, this in Virginia? Yeah. I mean, yeah, once was up here, but the other, all the other times were in Virginia. Um, so, yeah, because of things like that, I'm not carefree. Am I, am I shook? No. Um, I try to go after as much understanding as I can. And I feel like that's the best blanket of protection you can have is just making sure you understand. Mm. And uh, I'm definitely fortunate enough that, and I, I'm very serious when I say this, I spent way more time listening to women than not doing that. That's a major key. Major key. Major key. Not not even to like make a big big fuss over it, but you learn a lot. You understand a lot more about the perspective of life when you do that, especially as a male. I agree. And not just because I'm a woman. <laughs> but because of things like that, um, going on through life, certain, you know, like and criminalizations or injustices, I saw them a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And you know, you learn how to navigate a little bit better. You learn how to how to see things before they happen a little bit more. But um, just always being one foot being aware and one foot being concerned. Because if you're aware and you're not concerned, then you're not really going to make a difference. Mm. Do you feel like um, trap music orchestra? as a platform has the ability to be extremely creative, but then also to make a difference in that space. One of the things we did last year that I feel very fortunate for as well is, um, we, we made quick friends out of the Boston chapter of black lives matter. Very good. Um, shout out to Denasia and everyone else. Um, because we saw something eye to eye with the group. And that's why when they did Bean Fest at the Law and D last August, we invited them to come on stage with us. Because something I wanted to let the audience know is that if you're going to be a so-called fan of trap music, then you have to understand all the underlying issues of what happens. And I think even trap artists don't do that the way they should. Mm-hmm. Um, even with, for example, some, with the tragedy that happened in Orlando, um, people like Cuddy and Kanye have been vocal in the past and even the present about uh, having problems with hip hop's kind of hesitation to support the gay lesbian community. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, we were recently asked to do Pride. I know things didn't go the way as planned with scheduling, but I thought that that was a very big thing for me. Um, and an, an idea I have that I want to do by the end of the year is I have an idea of a shirt that says, God blesses all the trap niggas with the word all in a rainbow. I love that. Because I feel like, and nobody listening to this, take it, I will fuck you up. <laughs> Like, like real talk. I, I, I understand we pushing culture, but this business too, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> but there's more than there's more than three different types of people that live in a the hood. There's more than just the people who commit crime, the people who are around the crime, and the police. It's more than just that. 
every every story can be told. Um, so yeah, I think that we can be a very not just a motivational platform, but I th- I want to write trap music that's about more than just the the consumer idea of what the trap is. Like when YG's record "Fuck Donald Trump" came out, that's that's a trap record. Yeah, that's a real trap record. Mm-hmm. There need to be more like that. There need to be a lot more like that. Maybe not being you know innately just political. Yeah, but there's a lot more to talk about that doesn't get spoken on. I mean, that's why. Like, I mean, that's why I appreciate guys like Gunplay. Like Gunplay, he's a trap rapper, but he'll talk. He'll talk some sense into you. So mm. we, I want to be one of those type of plateaus as well. Like where we're working on a, a lot of original music now that I hope when people hear, they'll understand it a lot more than they hear it. Um, for example, I rewrote the national anthem for what will hopefully be our first mixtape. Very dope. Where you hear... Um, motifs of the traditional national anthem paired with what we all know is a black national anthem. Mm-hmm. So it's trading both uh, melodies from each of those songs, but then it becomes not really a protest against America, but more as if we were going to do something that it's called pledge our allegiance and give a reason why we're pledging allegiance. Let's state fact about where we are and what that allegiance means. Absolutely. So, and then turning that idea into something that, that, that basically bangs, like nobody wants to hear it and feel like they're being educated. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge of it is making, making, ridiculously sophisticatedly written music that incorporates at least 20 people playing instruments simultaneously and putting not just what, you know, gets shoved down people's throats as hood culture all over it, but what, what more people from there can identify with, not just, you know, the hustlers and the drug dealers and people who have money, but, even the average people, not the average, but people who come out of there who maybe just want to become a doctor one day. Mm-hmm. Or people who on their way to school can't go on their way to school because other people are doing something. Like those people have a voice too. And then putting those all into a ball that's hot. Like you want it, you want this to come on the radio and you love it. The same way that, you know, a future song will come on. And that's the challenge. We have to turn our world and that world into something that people can easily enjoy. How do you, uh, how do you make that happen? It's almost literally magic. Because the only way you can do it is you have to understand both sides. Mm-hmm. That's true. And... I mean, you can be as great as you want at technical composition and arranging. But if you don't understand the purpose of the humanity behind the music that you're writing, not just the applicable style of the sound of it, but, you know, the roots of it, 
Like there's a reason that I can make a future song sound like a Kirk Franklin song. Cause I grew up in a Baptist church, but I also have homies that did other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the traits of black music go, goes back to the blues anyway. So finding that, 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 that historic link between the sounds that I'm hearing, it just kind of comes out. Cause I mean, I'm not trying to really make a product out of it. It all seems natural to me. Like these are things that when I hear them in in my head, it's almost like they're just supposed to happen anyway. My only question is like, why, why have, why haven't people done this? That's very true. It's a really good question. If trap music orchestra had a theme song, what would it be? We're actually writing it right now. Are you? Yes, are. Um, I know people who've seen us live would think it would be Nuck if you buck. I don't. I don't see us taking that from Crime Mob. Um, that's a bad song. <laughs> <laughs> but we are. We are actually working on the first official TMO like theme theme music, like our own anthem. What does it sound like? What, 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 what do we have to look forward to? It's a mosh pit, man. Like, I think the best comparison I've gotten from a non-POC is you guys are punk rock as fuck. Really? And I was like, yo, you you understand what we're out here doing. Because, I mean, if you look at why the punk movement happened, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing. And the way we do our shows, you would swear you're at a punk rock concert. Because, man, I'm throwing shit. I'm throwing myself everywhere. (laughs) anything and everything is coming out i we did a we did a berkeley show and i ended our set saying i did y'all fuck with my niggas <laughs> an entire audience just staring at me and i'm like i can't hear if you fuck with my niggas or not <laughs> <laughs> that's so, crazy so the, the anthem's coming soon it's gonna be one of those songs that just it's primal it's not it's not smooth, it's not it's not fast, it's not bouncy, it's just primal, it's raw. Wow. I'm I'm actually super excited for this, so very, very dope. Now I was reading an article in uh your Your Mag. Yep. Via Emerson. Mm-hmm. And um you say in the article I've been saying from the jump that the most important thing about this band is keeping the idea of a band. So what exactly did you mean by that? And why it's, is that the most important thing? It's the idea of our band. Not just the idea of the band, it's the idea of our band. What's the idea of your band? How would you describe it? It's we are, we're, we're taking the international palette of music. Not just or the jazz orchestra or the the trap producer. But I mean, one of the songs I'm working on right now, I'm asking people who play uh, traditional Chinese instruments, do you play Erhu? Like, come wow. on over and I need you for this. But we're, we're driven to take not just the music, but the culture and the stories of what goes on in in neighborhoods in America that always get alienated or their stories get bastardized and 
become product driven selling points for other people and like like of course like I, I know a lot of people from Chicago that are tired of their city being looked at with a strange fascination rather mm-hmm. than with concern mm-hmm. like we're we're taking that part of America and I think we're doing what black artists in the Harlem Revolution with Harlem Renaissance were trying to do which is let's show everyone just how deep we go. Let's show them the depth of not just our pain, but of our genius as well. And a couple of the best moments I've had were we were performing outside in Dorchester. And while we were performing outside, a little kid was staring out in the window at us the whole time. I don't know what he thought, couldn't have said anything to him, but that, that was a highlight. Uh, going down to New York and hearing that one of the band members, their friends, he was like, I want to start one of these in New York. That's beautiful. And of course, at first I'm like, oh, why are you biting? But, <laughs> but that's, but then it became something beautiful. Like if he starts one, then what if somebody else is saying, I want to write this too. Mm-hmm. And then just seeing where the people in the band come from, like one of the, members the lead trumpet player his name's uh, Vandell he's from Cleveland and watching just how pure his joy is that he's doing what he's doing and talking to him like he's like yo I'm from like in a in a Cleveland life I would never expect not just to be at Berkeley but learning how to play trumpet like learning how to like because of our band he started writing orchestral scores he just started doing it I looked at them and they were great. So like folks are even within the band are exploring themselves creatively, yeah. artistically too. That's and dope. just saying, I can only imagine what someone like him going to Cleveland will do for people there mm-hmm. and showing them that, not, yo, you, we can do all this and expand on it in ourselves. Because even looking at what a big band is, how many people that is, that's a community. We are we are the literal, uh, just the image of what it means to be a community. So people see that if you want to be us at all, you've got to learn how to tolerate each other. You've got to learn how to bring a lot of people together for the sake of one common goal. How have you been able to do that? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. One is honesty. Okay. Um. I get into my little Coach Carter rants all the time. Coach Carter. But, but it helps people understand who I am as a person. Um, even recently. Uh, I mean, I've been dealing with my own things. Mm-hmm. So I accidentally snapped, I snapped at somebody about some stuff. And I came back a few, few days ago. Just called him out. I was like, yo, man, like I'm apologize to you because you didn't deserve that. And I was being an asshole about it. And then he said... He said that that shows your character's real, like everything that you'd be talking about. So people seeing how much I care about is one thing that holds a group together. Um, then seeing how much other people can care about it, mm-hmm. and and just creating that sense that people not only love what we do, but you get to see the people who also love why you do it. Yeah. 
that's something that all that always seems to unify us. Um, the recent try at Afropunk, I think, was probably the most necessary, most necessary technical loss that we've had to take so far. How how was that overall experience? It's crazy. Um, from jump to even be considered to partake in the performing battles, we had the voting process. And that be, that was a good challenge for the group because it was like, let's see how much we can show people that we care about ourselves. And we entered the voting process, I think, overall lasted two weeks. Mm-hmm. We, entered, we entered at the top of the, first, the second week. And somehow we finished the voting in first place. So that was number one, seeing how large a community is that cares about what you do. So that was the first thing we needed to see happen. And then the road to getting to the first semifinal round, just like the amount of anxiety that it was playing off. Yeah. Like it was just the the bubble. Everybody was waiting to burst. Mm Mm-hmm. And we decided to all go down there on our own. So, you know, you're responsible for getting there. You're responsible for getting back. So there was no late checking. There was no, you had to check in at the van at this time. It was go down there and don't fuck up. Okay. That's all it was. And we were, we were the biggest group they had on any bill, yet we were the most in sync. That's dope. And seeing that and watching the journey of how long it took to get to that point, it was crazy. Because not only were we all, all the most on point we've ever been, but everybody felt motivated to win that night. Mm-hmm. And seeing that happen, everybody was happy with each other. And you can watch you know we put the performance video on facebook you're watching yourself like we've never sounded that good before so that was the best we've ever been and everybody was satisfied with that because the audience i mean whatever the verdict was it was undeniable that we had the crowd and we had every we had we had everybody's soul in the palm of our hand and when once I mean, I already saw that, but then having every individual member see that and truly understand it was a turning point for us, where as soon as we were done performing, that's all that mattered. Yeah. Um, needless to say, we know we weren't chosen to go on to the final round, but a lot of a lot of handshaking and a lot of whisper whisper he say she say happened afterwards so we didn't truly lose anything how do you feel like it's kind of pushed your your development as a group in terms of for like future work well now we understand that we have a future first and foremost um and now that we see that we have a future um we say, you know what, forget it. Now we have to take this seriously. We have to, we have to accept that there are no excuses for any any hindrance that we have. 
And I know another coach Carter speech. I was like, <laughs> there, there's now an expectation of us. Mm-hmm. And that expectation also holds no limit to how much they don't care that there's a million people in the group or how hard it is for this to happen. So we're, we're going to start recording new stuff as soon as next weekend. Very, I'm very well. I want to keep that going. So if you could talk to your first year self starting Trap Music Orchestra, giving yourself some advice, words of wisdom, what would you say? Be patient. That's all. Why be patient? Man, the journey for me has involved being homeless three different times. It's involved all sorts of things. And the the easiest way to get through all of that is to to truly know that you don't have to get through it at that second. Mm. And it's not going to happen at that second. And recognizing that you forget about the problem and you really start thinking about the solution. So that's the only thing I would tell myself is that you're not ready for what's going to happen. You're just not. So don't try to be. And that's exciting. I, I, I think looking at the future in that way that's the way it is now. Yeah. That's why, that's why it is so scary because, I mean, I get that. Things are piling in a way right now where it's incredibly frightening for me. Work-wise, in terms of what you guys are working I mean, on? Not just, I mean, life in general. Okay. Like, a lot of things are not right now stacked on top of each other between things going on at home and housing up here. My computer broke for, like, the sixth time in a year, so I don't have a computer anymore. How is that going to happen? Yeah. Just, my job didn't give me hours. I don't have any work. I pretty much don't have a job. I got to pay rent, but I got to get my computer fixed. I got to worry about the band. I got a resource that's been taken away. Such and such has to leave at the end of the summer. Who am I? A lot of things just bouncing out of control. And like I said, the, the expectation is that we're going to have a lot of material that we're going to be putting out. So it's very frightening because, I mean, Four years up here, I've definitely gotten lost in the sauce. Like uh, the whole notion of self care, I'm like three and a half years way, way late on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not great, but yeah, it's frightening to feel to understand that you have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to try and get ready for. So absolutely, it's just that air of what am I going to do now, and with the like the presence of the future coming up it's for me it's just trying to find a space where it's like what can i do to make sure that i can be ready for myself to be ready for this but it's nothing but nothing but good things because i mean we've definitely gotten the new push that we need i definitely got the new push that i need and it's all about just making your own possibilities from there. So upcoming work, mixtapes, shows, what are you guys working on? And uh, where can the people find you? 
All right. <laughs> I wish you could see his face. The excitement. Oh, man. Go off. <laughs> All right. So I started, you know, Dame Dad said, you got to be a boss, put your own money up. So last year, I started putting my own money up and started a concert series called The Forecast. Dope. Um, where we, I reached out to, you know, people in the community who don't get a lot of shows and say, do a show of us. And it was, both of them were great. Both of them seeing a lot of people who haven't gotten a chance to perform, especially in front of real people. Mm-hmm. Like watching Berkeley bands perform in front of, you know, college, not Boston's youth, like, people from Boston. Yeah. And then watching, you know, somebody who grew up in Mattapan perform in front of, you know, a Berkeley cat and a Berkeley cat being like, you're great. So, so there's like people from the community, Berkeley yeah, students. I, I, wow. I, don't, I don't like the division. And because I when I was going to Berkeley, I remember they were doing hip hop symposiums where they would invite industry leaders. Mm-hmm. And I remember being asked on the street, I said, man, y'all get all the good stuff. And I was like, you can come to this, too. A lot of people about, uh, they from Boston, no idea. They, have they have no, no idea. idea. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's horrible. Like, you have the school smack dab in the middle of the city, and then what? Exactly. Exactly. So it was good to see a, a solid mix of different backgrounds as far as student versus local community. As far as, you know, mix of different races, different different social statuses, whatever. So I think uh, we want to put on the third one soon. And I think it'll be cooler. I mean, now that we've gotten a little bit more merit to our name to try and make it a little bit bigger, expand on a little bit. Soon as in the summer or what are we talking about? Late summer. Okay. Let's go with the mixtape. So what I want to do is have... 10 songs, brand new, all of just our stuff, mm-hmm. on wax by the end of the summer. I mean, we start recording next weekend, so we're going to see how much we can make possible in the span of, you know, two about two months. And that'll be the world's first real trap orchestra mixtape, trap music orchestra mixtape. It'll be completely orchestrated. It'll sound like a DJ chopped it up. I'm not sure if we want one two yet, or if I just gotta write it to make it sound like one dude. That, that's that's interesting that you you can write something to make it sound like a certain way that the music is broken down. How do you do that in one sentence? If you can, <laughs> intuition. Um, like if you listen to any any big name trap song produced by one of the heavy hitters, everybody's got a, a producer tag. Mm-hmm. Um, the first real one that I enjoyed the most was Lex Lucas, and he had just like those synth sounds rising up, and. Thinking one day, how do I make that happen if it's people? So, I don't know. I play trumpet, so I know trumpet pretty well. Mm-hmm. You play I, piano. I heard you playing the piano earlier. Yeah, just a little. 
And just knowing Trump, and I knew that if you squeeze the vowels down halfway, you can push and pull the sound a little bit more than usual. So just told him one day, you, press it down like this and make it sound like that. Press it down like this and make it sound like that. And now they can play the Lex Luger tag and it's just four trumpets. Wow. That's next level. Well, I'm super excited to see where Trap Music Orchestra goes. Um, where can we find you on your socials? Our our normal website is trapmusicorchestra.com. It redirects you to parasolmusicgroup.com. It's the same thing. Um, there'll probably be an interview about that at the end of the year when the master plan is underway. Very nice. Um, you can find us at on Facebook. Just look up the Trap Music Orchestra. Uh, if you have Twitter, we're Trap Orchestra. If you have Instagram, it's TM Orchestra. And after that, you have a whole lot of fun finding the 21 individual members. Very, very dope. And on SoundCloud, where can folks actually find your, your mixes? Do, do you have mixes? We do. Um, I You can get to our SoundCloud via the website. Okay, awesome. Because I don't know if it's a parasol or if it's a trap music orchestra soundcloud but the link to it is on the website perfect thank you so much ryan thank you i had such an awesome time i hope you did too i did <laughs> we had fun here we had a lot of fun we played music we uh yeah we learned a lot about technology our lives absolutely lives. <laughs> remember kids you don't have to press all the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, y'all. Before you officially head out, big news. First Year Project now has a weekly newsletter called First Faves. Whoop, whoop. Um, make sure you subscribe to First Faves to receive your weekly dose of dope reads dope music and just generally being aware of what's going on in the world we are super excited to be curating some really good reads and also some um, really good music that we're listening to and sharing it with you all so definitely please make sure to subscribe um, we will have a form that you can subscribe to on the website firstyearproject.com and then you will also be able to see it um, via our socials remember we are at first year prj once again first year prj on twitter on instagram then on facebook we're just uh first year project so you can find it we'll be tweeting it out all over uh the internet so definitely make sure to subscribe um it drops weekly on mondays at noon credits this week um super thank you to trap music orchestra for the very very beginning background um music it's actually called father stretch my bands you can find it on their soundcloud at parasol music group additional shout outs to andrea and creator k for the first year project logos um thank you so much to the bad decisions collective and dalvin beats 
for first year projects, traditional intro and outro music. Remember, guys, please continue to subscribe, download the podcast, like it, share it with your mama, share it with your friends, share it with your neighbor. We appreciate the support so much, guys. Here's to killing it this week. And until next week, guys, peace. Thank you.